0: This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Oh,
1: hey! Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say, lovely labs? I don't know, they're both good. I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Oh, oh cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graf, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically... I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up. You're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. (laughs) Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic. You're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's lady. Hey, 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 you labial ledge bags. I'm so stoked to have you back in the lounge with me today. I've got a ripper guest for you who I'm going to be chatting with. Um, so I'm just going to launch in by telling you a bit about him first. We've got Ryder Jack, who is one of the country's most unique and engaging facilitators with a passion for working with Australian men to drive positive behaviour change. So this is pretty impressive. He's got just under 20 years of experience. Um, and his talents for disrupting the old school male stereotype with men young and old are unmatched, and I can seriously attest to that uh, Ride right is a master of creating safe spaces that give permission for males to actively practice healthy traits that strengthen emotional muscle, communication, resilience, and help seeking. So it's pretty important stuff. Ryder has led countless immersive experiences with Australian schools, amateur and elite sporting organisations, and male prominent work environments, directly impacting over 50,000 motherfucking men. And at only 35 years old, he still plays footy for his local club and prides himself on the culture they're creating there. Ryder's also a father to two young boys with an incredible partner who's played a massive role in shaping the man he is today fab stuff and this guy's seriously just oh so passionate so talented I've gotten so many laughs out of his awesome sense of humor over the years as well and so I thought it would be a really great match to have him on the potty so welcome Radar. Right pull up a clit cushion
0: <laughs> whoa whoa what an intro you set the bar I'm too enjoy, enjoy. high Freya I'm out <laughs> that's it I'm done
1: sweet potty over see you later um thanks that was easy cool (laughs) well you know i've done i've done something like what 30 episodes now i'm slowly getting a little bit more polished at this Mm -hmm. but yeah there's been a lot of brain farts in the process as well so um no, good anyway I'm stoked to have you here it's nice to see your face actually I haven't seen you for years um but yeah I've always sort of loosely followed your work ever since we met probably like eight years ago or something and I've just always been picking up what you're putting down like into everything you do into the things that you're interested in and passionate about and just yeah it's been a really cool trajectory to see you sort of yeah meander along and just do cool shit in the world um I will mention that you have like it's probably really old and you're probably like oh no don't say that but you have some great creative things online as well I've showed several people the YouTube series dad hard (laughs) because I still get such lols out of that (laughs) Uh, I still think it's the best thing I've,
0: I've ever done
1: Um, How would you describe it? little mini YouTube series about how to dad hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess when I became a dad, I was like, ah, who am I? What does this all mean? And all the stuff I was seeing online was like super cheesy and just didn't really resonate (laughs) with me. So I just wanted to kind of take the piss out of um, parent how-to videos by doing basically stunts with my um, newborn big-headed baby. Um, it was just, it was really silly and, um, cynical and, and fun and just good to make something when, um, I felt like, yeah, I need to do, I needed Why some they? sort of creative outlet.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I loved about it. I was like, fuck me, like trust Ryder to have like a young kid and still manage to find a creative outlet that he can weave into parenthood. <laughs> like, Yeah, really cool stuff. So definitely check that out, listeners. Um, but I'd love to just get a little bit of background um, with the work mm. that you're doing nowadays. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about your work with Tomorrow Man?
0: Yeah. Um, so I work for an organization called Tomorrow Man, um, but who works alongside another organization called Tomorrow Woman. Um, but yes. most of my experience <laughs> has been in the male space. Um, so we basically travel around Australia, going into male dominant environments, exploring the current state of gender and masculinity in particular. So We don't Mm. give the answers, but we do create spaces where men can work it out for themselves. So what's working, what isn't Mm. working, and what does a man of tomorrow look like? Um, Men are really good when life's going well, um, but when shit hits the fan or they face a crisis, we're quite good at isolating or avoiding um, or not dealing Mm. with it. So I guess we're providing men with training grounds to be able to have tough conversations, um, to have some flexibility with the stereotypes so that, um, yeah, you're better prepared for the toughest day of your life. Um, wow. So that's, yeah, that's kind of one part of what I do. Um, uh, so I just got involved with that because a mate um, started at a guy called Tom Harkin who um, is just like mm. a maestro of a facilitator and um, yeah got the opportunity Tom. to... Oh, you know Tom? Ah, oh, sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just uh, he got the opportunity and needed experienced facilitators and it's just grown and grown since then. And then obviously there's Tomorrow Woman um, doing similar space, working with women. Um, obviously, as you'd know, there's a lot of noise, a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations, a lot of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So women just mm. need spaces where they can speak up and be brave, not perfect, and challenge some of that awful conditioning that unfortunately women go through with um how we're raising girls
1: yeah, yeah wow absolutely and are you sort of because um, I know your background's been mostly with men and young uh like teenage mm-hmm. boys and stuff are you learning a whole lot of really cool stuff through your work with Tomorrow Woman
0: Oh oh my God, it's, 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 I find it pretty confronting to be honest because I'm sitting in the back of the room training our facilitators and you're seeing these girls like 15-year-old 15, 15 young women who are so articulate and empathetic and switched on and they see all this gold in one another but they can't see the gold in themselves Um, which I just find bizarre because I'm just kind of like secretly cheering them on but unfortunately just because of all those societal pressures and expectations um, they're just so hard on themselves so yeah I've learned a heap it's helped me understand the women in my life a lot more and part of me wishes that I could raise my own girls like I have two sons and I'd love to have a daughter but I'm not willing to have a gamble and end up with three boys but part of me would love the idea of yeah, raising a little girl to, to yeah, take risks and be bold and um, mm. unapologetic and kind of like you, Freya. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah, like Yuck. raise yeah, a girl like you. you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be a gamble though, wouldn't it? I'm like, damn, you need to have a girl because I feel like there need to be girls I being know. raised by, like, father's like you but oh god Mm. my cousins had like four boys before they managed to get a girl and then you just got five (gasps) fucking kids so no thanks yeah
0: nice (laughs) fuck that no thank you Uh,
1: so yeah i i just think it's so incredible to sort of uh, and so so essential just so important the work the work that you're doing and that these organisations are doing. It's really cool. I remember, um, I guess I met you back when you worked for Reach, which was also a cool organisation. That's kind of how I know of Tom Harkin. And then there's, yeah, there's been a fair bit of movement in that sort of space since then, which is awesome. Are you, is Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow Woman, you were saying you're training facilitators at the age of 15 or something. Is it similar to Reach in that you're you're working with young people and training young facilitators?
0: So, yeah, great question. So the idea of the REACH Foundation is inspiring young people to inspire other young people. Um, Tomorrow Mm -hmm. Man and Tomorrow Woman are probably working with older people, so uh, year 10s and up. Mm -hmm. So we go into Mm -hmm. uh, regional towns, um, uh, sporting clubs, that kind of stuff. Um, So we're probably focusing Mm -hmm. a bit more on gender as opposed to reach, which is more about um, potential and confidence and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but as you okay. said, um, that mental health awareness is just um, the market is so busy at the moment, which is great. So I don't see any of the organisations as competitors. Everyone's out there trying to do um, the right thing and yeah. just help people live a more full life. So, um yeah, it's, totally. it's wild, all the amazing organisations out there.
1: Hmm. So good. I feel like the tricky thing, I don't know, cause I haven't really worked in that realm, but I feel like one of the tricky things would be to try to serve up this work in a way that was oh, like cool or, or accessible or palatable mm. to like, you know, especially, so if we take men for an example, I feel like maybe especially in those male dominant environments or like sports clubs or whatever, surely there'd be a bit of that sort of, um, Conditioned toxic mask where they're like, "This is fucking gay." I don't want to be a little pussy mm. and talk about my feelings. So, like, yes. what are your strategies for like, kind of sneaking the veggies in with the the meat, or you know, like whatever metaphor you want?
0: <laughs> what a metaphor! Um, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, great question. So, obviously. Um, people can be pretty sceptical or get pretty defensive when, when they even talk about gender or that kind of thing or people being scared of change. Um, so I tend to, when I'm in those environments, whether that's a prison or a rugby club or something like that, um, I, I usually just ease them in with a bit of humour. Um, hmm. I might also um, uh, bully the alpha Um, that seems to, um, get a little bit of props in the room. So just kind of show the alpha, um, that I'm not going to put up with any crap, but also that, um, I got you, (laughs) I got your back. Um, but basically what we do is the men themselves build out what they think the stereotype is. And then we have a really cool discussion about, yeah, what's, what are the positive traits? What are the things that are good? Like sport, uh, hard work, resilience, they're all good traits, um, but then when we flip mm. it, there's obviously some things that are pretty limiting, not just to ourselves, but harmful to those around us. So um, it's pretty obvious. I think it's pretty logical. If you can't cry, if you can't express emotions, if you can't ask mm. for help, it's just not sustainable. And men can't argue with that because we've all been touched by the stuff that's happening out there, whether that is suicide or mental health or violence or... Negative risk taking behaviors. So for sure, I love it. Yeah, at the start, guys might be cynical, going, "Who the hell are these guys? What are, what are they? What would they know?" But we're not really preaching anything. We're just asking questions, and they can kind of work it out themselves. Um, they just need the right mm. environment to do so, and they need. And that's why. My work's so exciting because you'll get a whole mix of people in a room. I've sometimes had to deal with men's rights activists who I don't align with at all or agree with at all, but as soon as I'm able to Mm -hmm. ask some questions and find out why they're so fired up, it often comes from a bit of pain or sadness or, or that kind of thing. And then once that heat neutralises, you get to understand the bloke going, fuck, he's just got a broken heart or he feels betrayed mm. or that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I think there's all these universal things that connect us all together no matter our socioeconomic situation, education, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, men just crave a sense of belonging. They act the whole time like they mm. don't give a shit, but all they want is just to be accepted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got goosebumps. It's, yeah. Oh, and, like, that kind of makes me think of, like, something that really bugs me um, is sort of, you know, it's like this really black and white um, man-hating attitude that, that believes that the patriarchy has only harmed women. And I just think it's, like, such a nuanced topic with so many layers and angles. And, like, yes, obviously the patriarchy is set up to benefit men in a lot of ways, but... Uh, yeah. I just feel like it's not as black and white as that. So I'd love to hear from your perspective and, you know, with all your experience working with men and being a man and raising boys, how how do you see that the patriarchy really harms men as well? Mm.
0: Uh, such a big question. I love it. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> so just to kind of mention as what? Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, deconstruct the patriarchy on a Tuesday morning. Um, no, nah, uh, so... T- 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 We've basically started um, piloting content where we bring all the genders together. Just want to acknowledge that Tomorrow Man, Tomorrow Woman sounds very binary and me and the organisations by no means don't believe that gender is binary. We think it's a scale um, and wherever people fit on that scale, um, love to them. Uh, But we first need to deconstruct the binary genders because Mm. we've predominantly lived in a heteronormative history um society yeah. so we need to unpack them because they impact all the genders um mm. so the reason why i bring that up is we're bringing genders together um to have these conversations and it's it's as you said it's fucking complex and it's heated and it's confusing women are fired up and they should be um the patriarchy has been really really harmful um so of course girls are fired up they want equality they want their rights and i'm, I'm completely a part of that Um, But as a result of that, um, young boys in particular um, just completely disengage from the conversation because they're terrified that if they get it wrong, they're going to get their head bitten Mm. off or they're going to get cancelled or something like that. Um, Mm. So what I think is most important when we have these conversations is let's find some middle ground, let's reduce the heat and let's just be really curious and respectful of one another. I want to know about your experience gender, what it's been like for you. Um, to go back to what you're saying about how to unpack or how to deconstruct um, the patriarchy, I think the way um, that it harms men is just, yeah, like all the stats that are out there. We're losing seven men a day to suicide. Um, the mental health numbers are really underrepresented because men can't help seek. So when you see that like one in eight men live with depression, that's inaccurate because think about all the people out there who have mental health issues and haven't gone to a doctor because they think it's weak. Um, So there's all that stuff that's kind of harming men. Um, And I think just as we've seen, like female leadership, um, especially in corporations and stuff, is really shifting the way that businesses operate. And um, some of those more nurturing leadership styles or feminine female styles are really good for people um, because they're compassionate and they're empathetic, um. So it, it's it's such a such a big kind of head fuck to kind of think about. Like I've been yeah. dipping my toes into how did it even start? How did it all start? And that's fascinating because when we were nomadic, gender roles weren't as extreme. Everyone did their bit to kind of survive and raise the village and raise the people. And then as soon mm. as um people realised that uh, there's agriculture and we can get resources off the land. Uh, people started getting greedy, and as a result of getting greedy, uh, gender roles started kicking in. And anyway, it's, it's like <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this, Freya, because there's just like it's it's, it's just huge. such a massive, complex thing. Um, yeah. yeah no, so just so, stop me from no. waffling, please, because cause I'll just <laughs> yeah, go on it. tangents.
1: No, it's all so good. It's hmm. Excuse this unseemly interruption, my darlings. I must ask a wee little favour of you. I am shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, It's pretty fab, and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings make it more likely to get recognized by the algorithmic gods and suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel pretty good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. Now, I promise I don't mazz over them or anything like that. I mostly just read them out to Locke with a big grin on my face and he says something like, see, you're killing it. Proud of you, babe. And then I tuck it away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed. So, you know, doing this really does make a difference and is an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on apple podcasts or if you're a real overachiever you could do both well now that would be kind of crazy crazy awesome obviously like that would be super ideal would love that if you're writing a review though just be sure to only use g-rated words because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality and all that good stuff the platforms censor words like sex and won't actually show your review lame anyway oh 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 you're gonna do it right now while i wait oh yeah no no awesome great that's like yeah great idea may as well just like quickly click that five star button before we get on with it and you know forget or whatever i mean life just kind of gets in the way sometimes so i totally agree it would be best to just do it now while we're talking about it you know while while we're on the topic totally 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 yep oh Oh, I can feel those five star reviews rolling in. Mm, fuck yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Love ya. Yeah. I was like, well, this is a pretty, like pretty large and vague question, but I think you did a perfect job. And it is, it's the kind of thing that's like, fuck, where do you start? It's just, you know, tip of the iceberg, really what we could cover in a podcast. So, yeah, I think he did amazingly. Um and I think it's becoming more and more obvious to people, you know, the the damage that it's doing to everyone. It's not as black and white as like the patriarchy is good for men and bad for women. Like we're we're way past that. Like no one's thinking that anymore, hopefully. Um so yeah, thanks for thanks for addressing that and t-
0: Yeah, and just, just just to add sorry, just to add one more thing. Um, yeah. Like the word, I think people misunderstand the word feminism, um, the- and men think, mm. "Oh, we're going to lose our power," or women are out to get us. It's not. It's just. It's just about equality, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. I just yeah, I think if people could get less defensive um, and not feel like a whole gender is being attacked, um, yeah, yeah, yeah for be sure. Better.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's, you know, I think there's been different like expressions of feminism or different waves or whatever and some of them have been more helpful than others because that really like angry um, kind of hateful, like love the fieriness, but then if you're kind of coming at it from like angriness and and um making it really polarised, then that's not really going to help help anyone. And I think there's this kind of tendency sometimes for like – certain people who and this is like i'm not super educated on this but i sort of notice that sometimes people who label themselves feminists have an a certain expression of feminism that's like very much just trying to be like trying to beat men at their own game and play by the men's rules to prove that they're powerful and they're deserving of respect and just sort of do everything in a really masculine way to almost alpha the men but it's like hang on this isn't helpful at all because because that's not really even how how we kind of work as um yeah anyway it's a really it's a complex topic um but yeah it's good to point I like the way you pointed out that um you know about feminism and mm. Yeah, now I'm having a full brain fart moment. Anyway, it is. It's so big. It's like every mm. time you try and talk about it, like even no, oh, no, no. It's oh my god! I'm gonna say something wrong, and then I'm gonna get cancelled, and then your brain starts like freaking out, and then I get tongue tied. Mm. Like it <laughs> actually happens to me in conversations regularly. <laughs> mm. Mm.
0: No, but I hear you. Like I'm a massive Clem Ford fan and I've learned a heap of her books. Like her stuff has made me such a better partner and better man, mm. but I can't recommend her to some of my mates, my footy mates in particular, because they can't even, they they just get so, they feel so attacked. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's like I can read it and not get attacked because I'm like, I hear you, girl. Like, sorry, <laughs> I hear you, girl. I hear you, woman. Like um, I'm learning heaps off this, but um. Yeah, you're right. It's such a um, it's such a kind of tiptoey, walking on eggshells yeah. kind of time.
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. PC culture. I know, dude. Oh. Anyway, let's shift gears. I want to do mm. the segment: get pregnant and die. Don't have sex
0: because you will get pregnant. Uh, don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it.
1: Promise. All right. What do you got? Do you have a, a story for us about how your sex education failed you? Maybe something you would have liked to have learned more about? Just a general sex ed related uh, anecdote. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Uh, so. As hard as it is for me to say, um, I I assume my parents have a very sexual relationship. Um, I think it's been consistent. Um, Yeah. I, like, shared a room with them next door and I don't think I heard them, but I remember always being really fucking uh, (laughs) disgusted or terrified if they were having sex. Um, Anyway, they claimed that they had had the talk with me. I don't remember having the talk with them. Yeah. uh, but I do remember, like, what year was I in? Must have been in year nine um, and I had my, my, my girlfriend and she was my girlfriend that I kind of progressed with, like the kissing to the fingering to the, da, 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 da. <laughs> um, Anyway, I could just feel the progression coming towards, um, cunny, uh, lingus is not my favourite word, but, like, I, I could tell it was coming up to the time where, um, yeah, I was if You're gonna her eat consent some pussy. was going to uh, go down on her. <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to eat some pussy. Um, but I had no bloody idea about how to do <laughs> it or anything about, about vaginas or labias or anything like that. Was, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I caught up with my – so I was a bit of a late bloomer and um, I caught up with a mate. Um, must have been after school and we are we having like a deep chat and talking about feelings and just stuff that we didn't usually talk about with the other boys and – I, because we were being so open with each other, I asked him about um, how to go down on someone. Um, and he just gave really like the advice he gave me at the time was like, don't go anywhere near the lower half of the vagina, only kind of focus on the top. And he's like, just okay. do that and you'll be fine. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, that sounds pretty simple. Um, just focus on the top, nowhere near the bottom. Anyway, he didn't kind of give me any other kind of tips or information, and we're at a party, um, and me and my girlfriend at the time were upstairs and we we're making out, and um, I like I was like I just started kind of going going down there like without anything else, and um, she was clearly uncomfortable, so I was like, okay, sweet, I, I didn't read this well, like let's kind of we awkwardly stopped and went back downstairs to the party, and I just felt pretty weird. Um, and then anyway, um, a mutual friend of ours, this, this young, this young woman, um, she like a few hours later, it went up to me and said, um, Ryder, um, can we talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, all right. So she took me to a private room. Um, and she was like, Ryder, can I give you some advice? Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love some advice. I didn't know what the hell the advice was going to be. And she said, um, when baking don't uh you can't just dive straight into the oven you need to warm the oven up first and I was like (sighs) my head kind of exploded I was like that's amazing advice so she was essentially teaching me about foreplay it's like you can't just dive straight in there you need to like build up to it um so yeah I thought that was incredible advice from like a 15 year old girl
1: um
0: yeah yeah so that's my story
1: (laughs) Oh, love that. That's probably one of my favorite ones. Podcast <laughs> so far. Oh, wow. So mm. cute. You were just trying your best. That's great though. I'm pretty impressed with her mm. for even like I definitely didn't know shit about foreplay when I was that age. Like I wouldn't have been able to give you any good advice at all. I was terrified of of like stuff. <laughs> um yeah, nice one. Hey Babe Towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've seriously got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in, and there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and valuable content, thought-provoking conversations, and just general support from a community of labial legends. It's a safe, non-judgmental space where you can go to ask the questions that you can't ask anywhere else, seek advice or solidarity from other like-minded folk, tell stories that are usually too much for the average conversation and also play a role in shaping the podcast with your input. So through this group, you can submit stories that you'd like me to read out for the TMI, Sand in My Clam and Get Pregnant and Die segments. Um, And as well, you you can send in questions or topics that you would like covered on the potty. I'm always open to suggestions and input, and you never know, you might hear your story on an episode. So my vision for the group is that it becomes a really rewarding, supportive, educational, and hilarious resource for you to access and be a part of. So head over to the link in the show notes or just search up the Labia Lounge group on the old facey, and I hope I see you in there. And now, back to the episode. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your work with Tomorrow Woman. So you touched on it a bit before, but if you could elaborate on some of the main things that you educate or work with women on through that organisation, that would be awesome.
0: Um, so at Tomorrow Woman, um, they look at the idea of, how we raise girls versus how we raise boys, which I think is really fascinating. Mm. Um, I just even yeah. noticed the way that people speak to my boys versus how they speak to girls the same age. The boys get encouraged for wow. being rough or for taking risks or for being wild. Um, and then I notice things that people say to little girls like, um, oh, you're so pretty. Look how polite she is. Look how quiet she is. Bye-bye. So these behaviours getting affirmed from a pretty young age. Um, Statistically, Mm. a lot of girls start losing their voice by the age of 11 and not by, like, their voice breaking or it disappearing. Um, The the noise of those expectations start to happen um, and as a result of it, Mm. they're they're not putting up their hand as much in class or that kind of stuff. There's also interesting numbers around... uh, um, how qualified a woman thinks she needs to be in order to go for a job. It's like over 90% um, when often guys who are only 60% qualified will still go for a job. Um, So in the workshops in Tomorrow Woman, they look at all this stuff, they look at the expectations, um, that damned if you do, damned if you don't. Wear makeup, but don't wear too much makeup. Have this Kardashian body. Mm. Um, Don't be a slut, but don't be frigid. Don't be a bitch, um, but don't be a pushover um it's just so complex and yeah. that's only me naming a few of them um and they look at the impact mm. of those expectations how it silences people how it how it kind of impacts them um and then the whole messaging that tomorrow Woman are, are promoting is to speak up to be able to talk about these topics make it normal for us to kind of discuss these things um and that, yeah and this idea to be brave not perfect um so yeah once again training grounds for women to have these conversations um to speak up so Um, that yeah once the stakes are high they've had an experience of doing it they've seen other women do it which hopefully encourages them to do the same um and then just like different uh communication skills like being brave Mm -hmm. not perfect Oh, no, sorry, I said that already. Um, Being curious instead of judgmental, obviously. (laughs) um, There's a bit of a fear of judgment um, that affects a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but um, encouraging women to be curious and ask questions and find out more about each other. Um, Yeah.
1: Awesome yeah so cool oh love all of that um yeah i just did a i just filmed a video for this online course i'm creating at the moment um that was all about that kind of damned if you do damned if you don't you know the don't be a slut but don't be a frigid and yeah it's Mm. it's such a huge thing so it's really cool hearing that you guys are like digging into that and having these conversations and creating a safe space where people can explore it and yeah it's amazing so good Mm. um And I'd imagine that like, you know, the career that you've had and all of the work that you've done, there's just so much, um, reflection and, and delving into the shit that people don't talk about or think about and, and so much personal development. Like how is it, and this is probably a bit of a, an ambiguous question as well, but how is it kind of, um you know, equipped you and and changed the way that you experience your friendships and your relationships and, you know, being a dad. And, like, I'm, I'm sure it's just totally enhanced your life in so many ways, right?
0: I don't know. I, th- I think I've just always kind of been this way. I've always been really curious about people and I've always been pretty bold in the way that I meet people, like just viciously unapologetically extroverted. Um, so I think I've, I've always kind of prided myself on my, my friendships and my relationships. Um, I, I, I've got a feeling that when my boys are teenagers, um, they're going to hate me because I'll be like, hey, boys, I understand what you're going through. I've worked with thousands and thousands of teenage boys. I know exactly what's going on. And they'll be like, fuck off, Dad. Um, so even though I think I know... Um, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. I'm definitely not the finished product, um, but I am quite self-aware. So times when I'm at my worst, when I'm moody and I'm irritable and impatient, um, I feel pretty guilty, even though it happens a lot. Um, but every morning I mm. kind of wake up and try to kind of psych myself to be the best dad, best partner, best person I can be. But, um, yeah, mm. I think... Yeah, doing this work I think is the, the main thing it's done is just given me a lot more a lot more awareness, a lot more self-awareness. Um, mm. And I guess just like impulse control and using my filter better like because every impulse I have is to take the piss out of something, just kind of being a smart ass yes. my whole life um and i think i've i think i think even though i get a lot of laughs i think in the past i've heard a lot of people um so just mm. trying to kind of have a bit more control of that and um i don't have to crack every mm. joke that kind of pops into my head um <laughs> but yeah it's such a big one cuz i think just like my my path has been quite logical like in my 20s making a lot of content and documentaries and still trying to do the same thing, which is allow people to be authentic and who who are you when you're not judged and can be your full self. And then it's kind of moved quite nicely to be doing that in rooms full Mm. of people um, doing the same kind Mm. of thing like, yeah, who are you and, um, yeah, just, just the real shit, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually kind of incredible. I mean, it makes so much sense, your trajectory, but it is amazing you've sort of found either career paths or jobs or, like, creative pursuits that have just, like, fitted your exact skill set and interests and niche so perfectly. It's like, yeah, you're completely built for this sort of work. So it's pretty special, really. Like, I don't know that many people that have had, yeah, such, such an aligned path when it comes like it took me so many years to find like something that fit me and my skill sets and my interests and you know I did lots of different jobs that weren't very aligned or that you know were okay for a little while and then not but like yeah you're pretty unique in that your entire like so so far as I know like your sort of path has always been pretty fucking on point for the shit that you care about and it all complements one another like it's all yeah that that
0: um that surprises me to hear that about yourself um because yeah you just seem like someone who when you have a creative idea you fully pursue it and kind of commit to it um so yeah curious to know from you like what was your turning point because you said it took you a while to kind of get to that point like because I don't even know how old Mm. you
1: are (laughs) um i'm 31 so i think they're kind of similar age um Mm. yeah i think like i probably really did um struggle because of all of that stuff you're talking about where like women are you know damned if they do damned if they don't and i was kind of taught to be really fierce and fiery and like stand up for myself but at the same time bullied a lot and um teased for being different or for being out there or speaking my mind and and it was kind of like rewarded in some places of my life and then really like um punished or looked down on in other areas so I was kind of always a little bit torn definitely an outsider a lot pretty um yeah pretty kind of confused about what I wanted to do in the world because I had a lot of different interests and so many different directions that I could go in and so I think that kind of like jack of all trades master of none thing really um played on my mind a lot because I I was like okay what do I want to do well I'll, I'll try you know I love cooking so I'll try um patisserie and chocolate making and do that and then oh that's that's actually something I like as a hobby not as a career all right I'll try childcare because I like kids and I'm fascinated by like early development and then oh my god I can't fucking do this otherwise I'll never have my own kids because I'm so burnt out all the time so let's move on to something else and I think like the turning point was around when I met you I reckon because I was starting to get into like personal development and really looking at my patterns and my traumas and my um you know, limiting beliefs about the world and what I was capable of and what kind of life I could have. And I was like, hang on, I don't need to just like go down this path of like doing a nine to five job or finding a career that suits me. I can actually, you know, and I think I started a business and I started a few businesses that didn't really work out because I couldn't stick with one thing. And I still had so much imposter syndrome and like fear of failure that I would give up on them. But yeah, I kind of like bopped around doing, you know, homemade skincare, which I'm still kind of dabbling in with one of our mutual friends. Um, So yeah, look forward to the motion lotion organic lube that we're currently (laughs) putting out. Um, And then I was like a kid's entertainer being a fairy at birthday parties and, and educating them on recycling and the environment and whatever. And, you know, just various things that, kind of made sense but didn't stick and then because I got so into like working on myself um I realized that like the last frontier when it came to stuff like facing my fears and the shit that really challenged me that I needed to sort out in my life was like sexuality so then I I went on my journey of like healing my own relationship with my body and sexuality intimacy and all of that and that ended up just being something I was so passionate about and made so much sense um as a career path that it kind of just then things started actually just flowing and it was like one foot in front of the other like Mm -hmm. a workshop or a training would pop up and I'd be like oh okay cool like I'm gonna do that and then I don't know next minute I was like oh I guess I'm like fully working in the sexuality industry now. Like this is my whole jam. I do other things and stuff as interests and hobbies, but like for the most part it got easier and easier to just like, yeah, zero in on on this one thing that I feel like is so, yeah, needs so much work. And it's like, yeah, I've got like the amount of passion and creativity that's accessible to me now that I'm doing this work is enormous. And so I'm like, oh. I'm on the right mm. track. This is, you know, this is what I'm meant to be doing, at least for now. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered it's, question, um, it's but, yeah.
0: oh, It does. It does. It's so impressive because I just think about the amount of people who might have as many ideas as, as you but just not pursue it. And I know you said you've tried a million different things, but I think that all just adds to, like, the Freya, who you are. And it's just, yeah, I just love it. Like, you kind of you you walk the walk. Um, and sure, you've found a space Thanks, now where all your skills and strengths can kind of flow and collaborate. But um, yeah, I just think you're <laughs> going to be someone who continues doing innovative things. It's cool. Very cool
1: oh fuck yeah thanks man yeah I feel like (laughs) even just with this podcast I was like so scared of starting a podcast for years but wanted to because I love listening to them and I love talking I love having real conversations I I love having an excuse to hit up people and be like yo come on my podcast and talk to me about sex so it's like you know (laughs) even just this one project which is quite fresh is already feeling like fuck yeah this is my sweet spot this is this is what Mm. I could do with all my time you know and I want it I want to take it on the road I'm currently getting um a friend of mine or my ex actually in Melbourne to make me like a big life-size vulva couch um to sort of take the labia lounge on tour and go to festivals and set up and just have real conversations with people and like get some engagement happening yeah so yeah thank you Um, So I reckon I'll use this opportunity to segue into TMI. We love it. TMI, we love it. TMI, we love it. So this is the chance to chat about um, pretty much any kind of topic that would be usually too stigmatized, too taboo, um, too hush hush to be discussed in a regular conversation so what people would consider to be tmi i'm just trying to like get it all out there
0: (laughs) um so i don't know i I talk about a whole range of different things like um i probably uh get in trouble sometimes for that um so (laughs) i think one that kind of comes to mind is pretty recent and um it's with my three-year-old boy um at Um, A mate of mine was doing work placement at my kids' um, daycare. So he's just been giving me amazing insight because obviously I don't see my son at daycare. Um, And my my little three-year-old is just, he's very bold and, Um, He he kind of speaks like this a little bit, um, so we're working on his speech therapy, but he's just beautiful and he's crazy and he's chaos and he's hectic and everything. (laughs) Um, So they were doing a Mother's Day um, preparation thing um, a few weeks ago and basically my mate got the kids to close their eyes and just do a bit of a reflection on who is mummy and what does she mean to you um, and what colour would you associate mummy with And apparently all the kids were picking like pinks and purples and red. Um, and my three year old, um, said the color black. Um, and my mate, um, went, Oh, why, why the color black for mummy? Um, and he goes, Um, he goes, 'cause that's the color of her vagina.' Um, because she's got black hair, so he's and he just must have got, yeah, he, that's just what he associated he her with. He's seen her in the shower. Um, so yeah. I think that was probably too much information. Um, yeah, he's seen her in the shower and he's surrounded by dickies and ballies So when he sees mummy's vagina, he's like, Whoa, what is that? Um, it's amazing. So, um, we've tried to like really normalize all these conversations and not put the shame in it because um, obviously as you know in your line of work um, shame and intimacy is a very dangerous combination um, but we just laughed mm. heaps because we were just like yeah none of the other kids would have said that um, yeah it's very cute
1: oh love that that's a great <laughs> one thank you that kind of, uh, leads in perfectly to my last little, I want to touch upon, um, yeah, being, being a dad to two boys before we wrap up. And, um, yeah, like as a dad and with all your experience working with men, like what are some things that you're super conscious of, like knowing what you know? Um, and like how does this affect how you parent them?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, I feel I feel to be honest under a lot of pressure because I see firsthand the impact of conditioning to boys and men. Um, this whole straight jacket of like can't dance a certain way because of stereotypes, or I can't express myself, or all this kind of stuff. So I feel like mm. these these early years as you mentioned before are just vital um so it's it's i love i I just find it fascinating like they're born as a blank canvas there's just that they're a baby and you give it love and you look after it and you keep it safe and all this kind of stuff and me and my partner have really put in a concerted effort to not put any gender expectations on them so um Mm. Yeah, just being really mindful of that. But as soon as they're out in like social environments, they learn pretty quickly. Um, I call I call them to my six year old the pretend boy and girl rules. Um, so him, as young as three, was getting told at daycare, boys can't have long hair, and you can't like rainbows, and mm. you can't like unicorns. All the stuff that kind of he was all about.
1: Fuck um, off.
0: And, like, yeah, just, just stuff like, oh, you can't be Wonder Woman um, when we play superheroes. And I was like, yeah, come on, mate. Um, so we've always had really open dialogue about that. Um, he's in prep now, so they're going through the, like, you kiss girls kind of stuff. Um, and his best mate is a girl. Um, and I was like, dude, you can't say that to people because, like, how do you feel when people tease you about your friendship with so-and-so? Um, uh, but it's just all the social. It's just it's just fascinating because they're trying to fit in. They're just copying each other. They're copying off mm. older people and that kind of stuff. So, mm. um, my main thing is is like my main priority with raising my boys is that they're compassionate, empathetic, um, and and just confident in themselves. Um, that's mm. kind of the thing that's most important to me. So, um, I try to role model that. Like even though I think I can be way too impatient, um, I'm, I'm really I'm the first one to apologise, and when I do apologise, I explain why. Um, and I think as a result, they're really emotionally intelligent boys. Um, uh, what happened the other week? My mum was my mum's mourning because um, my grandmother passed away, and she was just a massive part of our life. And my mum was really mm. emotional at the dinner table talking about something, and um, and just my eldest just kind of went up to her and could just see that she was upset and was really trying to nurture her and stuff so those moments make me super mm. proud as a dad like um yeah but yeah it's uh it's, it's 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 the whole time like i say weird stuff to them my partner has this joke she's like oh that's the therapy fund um so when you say weird shit <laughs> to them you have to put some coins in the therapy fund um we don't actually have a therapy fun, but it's more just when i say weird rogue shit to them
1: hey me again if you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on i want to mention that you can also buy some dope merch from my website and get yourself a labia lounge tote tea togs yep you heard that right i even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back or if fashion isn't your passion, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which I actually call Buy Me A Sweet Eye Latte, because I'll be the first to admit I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that, and yes, that is my coffee order. Um, so you can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. Every bit helps, because it's not cheap to put out a sweet podcast into the world every week out of my own pocket, so... I will be undyingly grateful if you support me financially in this way. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself, which is at this early stage in double L history, just the spare bedroom at my house. (laughs) Anyway, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Later.
0: But no, I love being a dad. It's literally, they're just a mirror to your bullshit. So um, it's made me a way better person because um, negative traits within me show up in them, and I want to kind of fix that. So when my boy's being a control freak or when he's saying mean stuff, um, I'm like, "Oh, okay, I need to adjust that because he's probably picking that up off someone." And um, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been really good for me, and it's been really good for our relationship. Like we know a lot of people that once they have kids, it kind of um, can end the relationship and it's made me and my partner way stronger because I grew up with my parents just blowing constantly. Like they have the most mm. intense like confrontations and stuff and it really impacted me. So I kind of consciously went into raising my own kids, not allowing my kids to be exposed to that. But it's probably gone too far now because when me and my partner are talking about maybe someone at work, um, the boys start going, stop squabbling. And we're like, dude, we're not squabbling. We're not having an argument or anything. We're just like, so they're, they're not used to it at all. So we probably need to find a bit more of an adjustment, a bit more of a sweet spot.
1: Yeah, totally. It's um, kind of reminds me of like, so my, my parents also were pretty like uh, toxic dynamic, like lots of fighting, lots mm. of, it was pretty unhealthy and they were really unhappy. And so I'm pretty used mm. to you know like confrontational um loud yelling and anger and like yeah and my partner Lockie bless his cotton socks his parents I don't even know if they can raise their voices it is like almost sickening how sweet they are it's like (laughs) fucked up I don't even know how to relate I'm just like and so they're and they're still together. Like you know, my parents are not together. His parents, it's like full perfect little nuclear family. And I'm sure they've you know everyone's got their shit, but they've done a really good job of like never speaking, even like with a sharp tone to their kids or to each other in front of their kids or whatever. And I'm kind, of, I I've kind of gathered this from spending a bit of time with them, but mostly through how my partner Lockie responds if I use a sharp tone or if I'm a bit blunt or impatient or if I. Mm. Even like raise my voice in frustration, like literally have never even yelled. But he, it's like I've kicked a Labrador puppy and he's just like, that's not okay. <laughs> you can't talk. You cannot talk yeah. to someone you love like that. It's not what people do. And I'm like, what do you fucking mean? Like, that's all my family did. And so yeah. it's really interesting because we've come up against this like super incompatible, um, like background where. Yeah, it's been it's been work. It's it's really good, obviously, and I'm seeing it as an opportunity and a gift and and it's helping me work on stuff that I like, you know, if I had a choice, would I bring up my children like my family did or like his? Definitely like his. But I feel like sometimes he's got good a thin skin right, for this. <laughs> yeah, middle ground, middle ground. They need to be like you know, resilient and tough and be yeah, able yeah. to handle a little bit of confrontation and not, like, sugarcoat everything and pussyfoot around. But I also don't want to be bringing, you know, my background into how I parent much at all, ideally. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a wake-up call for me as well, just, like, hit him calling me out on, you know, any kind of impatience in my tone or, like, being a little bit too sharp, Um which I do like about myself as well. But, yeah, it's really interesting just trying to find a middle ground that we're both comfortable with because he's nowhere near as um tolerant of any of that and I'm probably just a little bit more thick-skinned because that was, you know, just how it was growing up. So it sounds like you <laughs> a bit.
0: I really relate to that um, and it's really cool that you two are able to have dialogue about it even when it gets really tough because most people it's too hard and they're just like, I'm not going to go there, but you two are going to create something really cool together in your relationship because um, mm. those, it's 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 just balance. Those two competing sides, will, you, you'll learn off him as you are and he'll learn off you. That's super cool. I loved hearing that
1: yeah yeah it's it's just an uh, ever-evolving conversation and you know i think medicine for both of us because like he needs maybe my strong boundaries and i need maybe his kind of soft compassion and i mean i am compassionate Mm. but you know um yeah and we talk about like you know how you were talking about um, all the things you think about and that you're aware of as a parent, and not wanting to fuck them up, and being like self-aware enough to even be thinking about this and having these conversations and stuff. Like we we don't even have kids, but we talk about it all the time because I'm totally terrified of bringing up kids in this world in this day and age with porn and social media and like no matter what we do, the other kids at school are going to talk about stuff. Or you know, like there's only so much control you can have, and I don't want to be. You know, it's like the only solution in my mind is, well, we're just going to have to take them onto an island and homeschool them and show them only cool <laughs> things and mold them into cool humans. And it's like, but I know that's not <laughs> that's not possible or healthy. And so we're always talking about like, how can we minimize the damage of like cultural conditioning and and socialization and the shit that they're going to pick up out in the world, and like, what kind of culture can we create in the family to, you know, negate that and to build resilience and like it's just it blows my fucking mind thinking about it I'm nowhere near ready to have kids but Lockie's just like oh babe like the fact that we're even talking about this is probably better than 90% of parents so like it's going to be fine
0: oh spot on spot on yeah no one's ever ready it's just like once it happens once you've got the little thing in front of you you're like okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep you alive let's do this
1: yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god terrifying like Uh, i
0: literally still feel like a kid like i'm yeah i'm still such a like mm. such a baby such a baby
1: I think that's beautiful though. I feel like that's going to be like, that's another thing that we pride ourselves in Locke and I is like being really playful and retaining that like childlike, you know, excitement or curiosity or joy. Like that in itself will make you so much more able to level with your kids. Cause like, you know, and that's, that's why, you know, I saw dad hard and I was like, fuck yeah, you're going to be such a fun dad. Cause you're a big kid and kids love that, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think it's really important. Um, amazing well I think that's pretty much time if you had anything else you wanted to touch on or speak about that you haven't had a chance to go for it maybe to leave the listeners with something but no pressure
0: <laughs> yeah I don't know I just think um it's easy to have quick deep conversations like I think a lot of people want to help others and want to go are you okay Um, so I just recommend just with your conversations, um, start off with some humor, um, then Mm. role model some honesty. Um, Mm. and then if you role model the honesty, it makes it so much easier for the other person and just like listen to what they say and let their answer fuel your question. And you can see Mm. how deep you can go in a really quick amount of time. But, um, if you want to have deeper conversations with people, you might be the first one to to kind of get it started to show that you're willing to kind of go there with them. Um, But I'm sure the people listening to this podcast know all about how to have deep, real conversations, but (laughs) some of the stuff that we're kind of practicing with uh, the work that I do but um yeah yeah I don't know
1: yeah beautiful yeah I think that's it hey it's just giving permission by sort of leading by example and if you say something vulnerable or you you know share something honestly then that just that sets the tone for the conversation and it gives gives them the mm. opportunity to kind of follow um in kind so I think yeah that's something I teach mm. when I talk about communication in the bedroom or about intimacy or about relationship issues. Issues as well it's like you've got to kind of just be be vulnerable in order to give the other person permission to be vulnerable and vice versa mm. so yeah that's beautiful thing to end on thank you and thanks so much for being on the labia lounge it's been awesome so good chatting to you yeah. <laughs> as
0: soon as i told people about the name of the podcast they were like oh my god that's the best name and i'm like yep that's freya <laughs>
1: love that All Right, my love well awesome to catch up with you and um yeah i'll speak to you soon yeah and that's it darling hearts And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this year podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.